Hashtag SAFM Sport On. So then it is my pleasure to welcome on the show a legend of the game uh, across the world and definitely a Proteus a legend, uh, Jonty Rose, who joins us on the line now. Jonty, good evening and thank you very much for finding time to speak to us here in South Africa. We, it's an honor for us to have you on our show, Jonty. Namaste, Tabiso. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm fine. Listen, Thanks, and you? Please, listen, listen, my brother. I've, yes, I'm, I'm now um, spending way too much time in India, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but please keep those technicians close at hand, eh? Okay. Because, uh, I'd, I'd, hate to drop this, I'd hate to drop this line. Okay, but so far, so good, though, uh, John T. Really, really good to hear from you. You are in India at the moment, a cricket-mad country. Do you, do, how much time do you spend there? So I probably spend at least three to four months of the year, but not in, in one go, backwards mm-hmm. and forwards. Um, I'm currently almost halfway through a, a five-week stint in India, and you, you're 100% correct. It really is a cricket-mad country, and they've just been through the IPO, which I wasn't yeah. involved with. Um, this is the second year I haven't been involved with Mumbai Indians after nine seasons with the team, mm. and they are still just as crazy. The tournament's been going for 11 years. They're still as crazy about the tournament. They now totally switched their focus to the Cricket World Cup that's upcoming. So cricket just does not take a breath here <laughs> in India. And, and what do you make of how this IPL has grown over the years, Jonty Rhodes? So, you know, it's been... I think the standard of cricket is incredible. Obviously, the players, um, the the salaries that the play, I mean, it's no secret that the players get really well paid here, and um, you have the best players in the world. And sometimes it gets a bit contentious because countries are saying, "Well, hold on, mm. you should be playing for us, or you should be resting for us." And very difficult for players to turn uh, to turn down this sort of salary offer. And the best players in the world want to play in this IPL. So I think with with regards to the other T20 tournaments around around the globe, and there are quite a few of them, when there's some great cricket play, but if you don't have the Indian stars and and the sort of backing that that brings from a viewership point of view. It just makes it a bit more difficult to to sell the tournament to be as sexy as the IPL because the, the players that are here certainly on show yeah. are, are the best in the world. So I think that's what the people have enjoyed. They obviously are crazy about cricket, but I think if they if they weren't enjoying good cricket and the best players in the world, they would soon get tired of it. But it it certainly refreshes itself every year. Nothing from a format point of view changes. And, you know, the teams obviously every now and again, the players shift from franchise to franchise. Yeah. But the standard of cricket really is amazing. And you mentioned that you worked with the Mumbai Indians for nine years as a, a, a folding coach. How do you describe your time there? Um, hands full. <laughs> <laughs> really hot because this, this is only, because the Indian team is the, the busiest international team. The only gap in the year they have is, is this time of the year in India. And it's, it's just before it's about to break into summer and then monsoon. So it is really hot. They generally don't play much cricket this time of the year here in India. And uh, yeah, so from that point of view, it's it's either 45 degrees in Jaipur and Delhi or it's 38 or 39 in Mumbai with 90% humidity. So it's it's an incredible opportunity. I mean, my wife and I, we've had two babies born in the IPL. So the IPL for me has been a, an all-round experience. Uh, fielding coach for Mumbai Indians, we managed to win three trophies yeah. over that time. And just an incredible 
you know, really incredible experience to to try and get out and see more of India. You know, as a cricket player, Tabiso, when mm. when you go to India, you really can't get away from the game. So the guys literally they land in the airport, they go straight to the hotel, they go to practice, they go to the game, they get back to the hotel, get on a plane, and go somewhere else. And they don't see much of India. I, I borrow a motorbike, which. Um, might sound a bit foolish, but in India there's so much traffic you can hardly go anywhere. And I try and see as much of India as possible now as a spectator because you know if you're flying over a country at thirty thousand feet in the aeroplane, you don't really get to experience a great deal. And I really am fortunate. Yeah, you know, my wife has been very supportive in that we've had both babies, um, India and Nathan, and yeah. during the world, during the IPLs in 2015 and 2017. And she'll come to India where I'll be commentating in Mumbai, and she'll be up in Rishikesh, which is the most incredible sort of spiritual part of India, and be there for almost a month on her own with two babies. And, uh, you know, from that point of view, been really fortunate in that every time I've been to India, it's been with support and an incredible sort of backup, not just from a, a team perspective where the Ambani's who are fairly wealthy um, mm-hmm. in India, they, you know, whatever you need from an equipment point of view, whatever is required to, to bring out the best in the players, they will certainly back you up. But to have the family support, that mm. certainly is the key. And talking about the family, Jonti, in your own words, why did you decide to name your daughter India? <laughs> I think we, yeah, my wife and I both have slightly different reasons for, for naming India, India. But from, from my point of view, it's always been in that, you know, every day in India, something different something different happens. I mean, you, you can't, if you go there with expectations to India, you'll either be disappointed or overwhelmed because they generally don't live up to your expectations or it floods you with incredible overflow of uh, sensory, you know, it, it just hits you as you step off the mm-hmm. plane in Mumbai. And, and from, from my point of view, I've, I've certainly, you know, you hear people talk about seize the day and, you know, you've got to make, make things happen for you. I'm, I've having spent lots of time in India I've more understood the fact that you've got to actually embrace the day and, and whatever happens really is happening for a reason. And as an ex-cricket player who still has a, a bit of reputation in India, um, I just when I walk out of a door, I have no expectation of what I'm going to see because whatever is there is meant to be there because it, it can be overwhelming. And I think that's the key for me with regards to India is that mm. I don't have any expectation for her. Every day she just needs to be her and, and just embrace whatever comes into her existence and her life. And I think you know, as there's been in India with ex-cricket players who, who are quite famous, their sons have come through the ranks and, and they've kind of buckled under the pressure or the expectation of being the sons of, of these famous fathers. So mm. from that perspective, I just want India to know that she doesn't have any expectations from me. It's, it's her life to live and to embrace and, and take it whichever road she chooses to go on. Beautiful. Now, uh, back to your time at Mumbai. I mean, you were a renowned fielder in your days, Jonti. Has fielding changed or evolved over the years? And what do you teach these guys exactly? Well, to be so, it really has changed. And I think you know, the biggest change nowadays, not just in T20, but in, in, in 50 overs as well, you know, the bats have got so much bigger, the boundaries have come in, and players are, are, are way braver than we were in uh, you know, in, in taking on the fielders on, on the boundary because they they can clear the boundary quite easily. So even if their fielders are posted out there to try and defend the boundary, um, the batsman will still take them on, and that's been a key focus. One is to save every run that you can. Obviously, if you're in the circle, because in T20, uh, one run often makes a big difference. Mumbai mm-hmm. Indians is just won the final. You saw that final, yeah. Three days ago. 
a one run, you know. So yeah. it's those it's it's kind of those small things that that you really got to focus on and getting the, the simple things well. But what I never had to do was defend the boundary, you know, without power players, without the big bat that the guys have got. We pretty much and we had a really good pace bowling with Pollocks and Donalds and Steve Elworthy was a part of that. Uh, you spoke about having had him early on in the show, yeah. and you know, as a backward point fielder. Nine out of ten deliveries were generally coming in my area because our bowlers were so accurate and, and they bowled a particular line and length. So I was always in the game. Whereas now, you know, you can have your best fielder fielding somewhere and the ball might never get to him because the batsman these days are just hitting the ball all over the place. So I think a big focus now has been getting your best players in the hot spots. So as a fielding coach, you've got to identify where the hot spots are and what is the bowling plan to a particular batsman and then defend the boundary because that's, you know, guys like Kyron Pollard who's Six foot four, he's a massive guy, but he, you know, he jumps up like he's a gazelle, man. <laughs> he put any entourage shame. <laughs> this huge man just defending the boundary as if his life depends on it, and, and it's incredible to see that aspect of the game. The guy catching the ball on a jump and throwing it back into another fielder. So I don't think, you know, I don't think people talk about me as a fielder starting something, but mm-hmm. it's that it, it's kicked up a notch or two, that's for sure. And and, and it, the, the Asian teams have been let down by their fielding. Are, would you say they're improving, Jonty? Yeah, and, and you know, I've just watched um, England are hosting Pakistan in, in an, an ODI series just as a warm-up, I suppose, for the World Cup. And uh, when when we were playing cricket, and that's you talk about going down memory lane, <laughs> way back, yeah. way back, and the subcontinental teams weren't, very good in the field and I mean I do a lot of work now and from a development point of view in grassroots and and you can see why some of the fields that these youngsters are playing on um, you know if you dive on the grass yeah you're either crazy or you're very very brave so I really can understand and, you know I'm fortunate in that it, it gave me an opportunity to come in and try and make a difference in a setup where fielding wasn't a major part of the game but mm. I think what what has been so important, though, is that the Indian team. I mean, the 2015 Cricket World Cup was hosted in was held in Australia and New Zealand, yeah. and we played India in 2015 in, in Melbourne. And I think they had two runouts against us. They almost outfielded us. So um, the captains in India, from MS Dhoni and now Virat Kohli, have certainly set high standards. Because in the past, it wasn't really a kind of done thing, and it does depend on the leadership. Pakistan still don't have a top-rate fielding team. That's for sure. Um, mm. But they also have, you know, young fast bowlers who are tall, six foot something, and quite difficult for them to throw themselves around. But in general, because all the teams in the sub, uh, subcontinent, Bangladesh have their own Premier League, um, the teams of Pakistan have their own Premier League, the T20. So all these teams are now, and youngsters are getting exposed to the, the importance of fielding. But I think India, certainly on the subcontinent, are leading the way with regards to fielding. And I know you speak highly of a guy like Suresh, Suresh Raina. What impresses you the most with his fielding? Well, I, you know, the interesting thing is, to be so, is that when when I watch them field, as I said, when these guys dive here, um, fortunately the IPL, the stadiums are pretty good. The, World, the Cricket World Cup was hosted there in, in India in 2011, and all the stadiums around the country were given a, a real boost and, and investment was poured in. And so the IPL matches, when you see them, you know, the outfielders are lush, and, and, and they are, they're hard, but they're certainly grassy. But the rest of the time these guys are playing, they're diving around, and it's not that comfortable. I mean, I can still dive. It's the landing part nowadays that's a little bit heavy. So I can understand these guys at age 50. I can understand these these youngsters throwing themselves around in India. And Suresh Reiner doesn't think about diving. I think that was a key for me when I enjoy watching him field. He'll go for anything, you know, and, and, and that's 
was always my philosophy was if you don't go, you'll never know if you could catch it or stop it. And I watch him in the field, and he feels everywhere, from the boundary to the circle to slip. He just always loves to be in the game. And I think I identify a little bit with, with that enjoyment being in the field. And ahead of the World Cup, everybody's talking about the bowling and the betting, but how crucial will the fielding be in deciding matches? Well, it's going to be, I think it's going to play a massive part, to be so, because the summer now already is kicking in in England. We've just seen a game where Pakistan scored over 360 or 70, and, yeah, and England, England scored it, it with overs to spare and wickets to spare. You know, that was kind of a 400 total. It's not a massive field, for sure, but the wicket was so good. So Pakistan didn't help themselves. They put down the a few of the, the batsmen a couple of times. And so from a fielding point of view, it's going to be those half chances because the wickets, I think, will be pretty good. So it's important to have a bit of variation from a spin point of view and uh, to back that up in the field, to build a bit of pressure and, and you know, obviously save as many runs in the circle, build a bit of pressure, and then take those half opportunities because you want to be able to turn a game or break a partnership when, when guys, you, you saw Jason, Roy, and um, yeah. Best are going crazy. And if, if Pakistan had held on to their chances, you know, you suddenly get a new batsman in and that changes things for a while. So fielding is going to be crucial. The scores are going to be big. And funnily enough, one run is still going to make a difference. <laughs> and before we talk more about the World Cup and before we take a quick break, we tried to speak to you a couple of weeks or months ago when you were in Nepal. What were you doing there in Nepal? Is that also cricket work? Are you trying to help them improve the game? Yeah, it, it, it was an opportunity to go out and, and really get into the grassroots of cricket. It, it's not far from India. It's, it's, it's bordered by India. Mm. And so obviously there is, a, there is quite a big cricket influence, which is slowly taking on here. Football was the main sport, followed by volleyball. And, and now cricket is, is gathering momentum there. The national team has just acquired um, ODI status. The under-19 teams have surprised the South African under-19 team at a World Cup. And uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Marin, I'm doing, looking to do more work in South Africa. He, he and I went and did some work in Nepal at, at, a, at a, um, a clinic in Kathmandu, and then we were asked to then come and coach in a, one of the small leagues. And then my wife and I, we actually we took our babies to this incredible place in the Annapurna Circuit from, from a walking point of view. Mm. We spent five days walking up and down these incredible paths and trails in, in the Himalayas, and, and that... That was incredible. I mean, it really was amazing to have these little babies, you know, four-year-olds and a two-year-old, fortunately carried by porters um, on their backs uh, in these little baskets that were made out of bamboo. And for five days, we were up and down the mountain just seeing the most incredible organic lifestyle that's been in existence for 500 years. And, mm-hmm. and sadly, the only sad thing there for us is that as soon as man has now come in and tried to sort of make places more modern or up-to-date and connected with roads and stuff, the mountain is just, it can't handle it because mm-hmm. not enough has been done to, to maintain the integrity of, of the slopes and, and of the mountain, where it's 500 years of farming, where people have really utilized the land um, and cared for the land and, and given back to the land. You know, it's sad to see how modernization can certainly mm-hmm. ruin things. So, yeah, it was a bit of work and it was a great opportunity as a family to go spend some time in there. Okay, for those who've just joined us, we are catching up with Jonti Rhodes as we build up to the World Cup. He's joining us all the way from uh, India. I understand he's in Hyderabad because he's got some development work that he's doing there also over the next three days. The lines are open. Please take note of our studio number. We've changed studios, so you can call us on 0891-104-209. That's 0891-104-209 if you want to speak to Jonti Rhodes or share any memories or moments. And we take messages on WhatsApp on 061-4104-107. Oh.
Call Tabiso now. 0891-104-207. Still talking to Jonti Rose. Jonti, please help us look ahead now to the World Cup. Having spent so much time in India, firstly, how do you rate their chances? So I think the Indian squad is fairly well balanced, and, and they're obviously a, a very powerful batting lineup. I think from a confidence point of view, they've uh, they had a, a fairly successful summer recently, just a year back in, in England. So they've got a lot of experience in their batting lineup. And if the summer is good like it, it's looking to be, and where the wickets get a bit hard and dry, then their, their batting will be powerful. Not as powerful as the English lineup. They certainly don't have, I think, the power hitters, but they've got more class and timing. But their spinners will come into play. They've got two two wrist spinners in um, Kuldeep and in Chahal. So, you know, left-arm Chinaman spinner and, and, and a leg spinner. So those wrist spinners will be of key importance because when the wickets are so good, you do need to have players who can take wickets in the, in the middle overs. And wrist spinners might be the ones to do the job. So the Indian team is fairly well balanced. I think, if anything, you know, they, you, you need things to go your way. And uh, they certainly are a side. When you're playing with confidence, those small areas where it could go either way, they generally happen in your favour. Before I go to Mike in Brixton, uh, Saruf Ganguly came out and said they will regret leaving out Rishabh Pant. Uh, they went for Dinesh Kartik. Where do you stand in this debate? Well, I think you've, you've also got to... You know, not many teams have a... Not every team has a standing wicketkeeper. Kartik is somebody who's who has finished games for India. He's um, got a, a track record and he's, he's played a few series where he's done well. But you've also got to look forward to, to players who are a little bit different. And, and, and Punt is certainly a guy, having watched him quite closely in this IPL, he's uh, somebody who's quite unorthodox. You know, he's a powerful hitter of the ball. He hits the ball to all parts of the ground, not quite an ABD 360. Mm-hmm. But he's certainly a guy who's quite awkward to, to bowl to. So um quite surprised, but maybe they're more worried about Dhoni. Because every game now is, is important. You've got mm-hmm. 10 matches or there's 10 teams playing, you've got nine matches to play, so it's a round-robin, and then from there the top four teams. So you're not going to have any weak games where you can kind of rest somebody like Adoni. So maybe because of someone like Adoni who's towards the end of his career, maybe they're a bit concerned that they might need a replacement keeper just to give him a break. Okay, Mike has called us from Brixton. Thanks for holding, Mike. Good evening. Uh, Thanks very much to be sure. John, it's lovely to hear your voice coming from India. And to be so, it's lovely to hear you as always. Jonty, when, when we watch cricket, there are so many fielders who appear to be good fielders. But as an outstanding fielder, who for you, when you watch either this year, last year, 15 years ago, 20, whatever, who for you are the real standout fielders that stand out in your mind? Great call. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Um, you know, I, I sadly never got to see any of Colin Bland. And, and when he passed away, mm. I had journalists phoning me and asking me for comments, and I'd really never seen him. But I'd seen the odd stills picture. And even going to the UK, we were playing a game at Kent, and it got rained out. And apparently the same thing had happened when the South African team were toured there, I think, in the late 60s. And Colin Bland had put on a fielding display. And mm. the TV crew asked me to do the same. And I said, I hate to disappoint you guys. <laughs> I am no Colin Bland. So unless I'm going to throw myself at the wicket, I'm not... <laughs> the father not of fielding. Involved. So never got to see him throw. Guys like A.B. de Villiers, Herschel Gibbs, players you know, in the South African setup. Herschel obviously played alongside for a large part of my career. And he was just brilliant in the field. Ricky Ponting for Australia was just somebody who was deadly 
deadly accurate with a throw, um, throw himself around the field too, and until he smashed, you know, because what has also changed, there's been a lot more concerns about player safety mm-hmm. um, recently, and, and in our careers, the boundaries were actually uh, the concrete sort of cement walls or, or wooden picket fences where they would put the advertising and hammer it on there. So you had to learn to sort of tuck and roll at the same time if you're trying to save a ball from crossing the boundary line because there was no line. It was generally a wall, and Ricky Ponting actually smashed his knee. But someone like an Andrew Simons from mm-hmm. Australia, he was the first big fielder. You know, now you've got guys who have to field in the ring and out the ring. And he was the first big guy who was really athletic at the same time, sort of a, you know, a, a pre-Karen Pollard similar mm-hmm. fielder. And then Suresh Rana, I always talk about how I really enjoy watching him in India. But guys who've stood out, uh, I think Herschel, having played alongside him, he just did some ridiculous things in the field. And Ricky Ponting too, you know, guys who, who really were superb, um, not just catching the ball, but just knocking the stumps over with regularity. Well, on that note, we, we've got a clip from Ricky Ponting where he talks about his top five folders. Let's listen to that. Uh, at number five with Englishman Paul Collingwood. Five A.B. De Villiers. <laughs> First slipper, second slipper, cover fieldsman. You know, he's just a natural athlete. So the, the movement and that sort of thing just comes so naturally. Uh, Jonty Rhodes, I've got in at number three. Oh, brilliant fielding. That is sensational stuff. Probably the best defensive fieldsman that, that I've seen. So the, the balls that he was able to get his hands on, dive and save and take spectacular catches at backward point. Um, probably moved better than anybody else and, was, and had that anticipation and was really quick off the mark. So, you know, we used to say when it was Herschel Gibbs and Jonty Rhodes at point and backward point, then we didn't run until the ball went past them because you could hit it into the gap, take off, and sure enough, one of them would dive and save it. That you know, created some confusion between batsmen, led to a run out, which leads me to Herschel Gibbs at number two. If there was ever a knock on Jonty's fielding, it was always that he probably didn't hit the stumps as much as some of the other um, great fielders in the world did. Yes, he saved a lot of runs, but did he have that um, uh, really offensive side of it, which is to stand up and throw the stumps down? Maybe not as much as compared to a, a Herschel Gibbs, so that's why I ranked Gibbs ahead of him. Davilia's Rhodes and Gibbs, if you imagine those three guys in the in the circle on the offside, it would be uh, pretty hard to try and pinch a run there in a test match or in a one-day game. And then probably the best athlete that I played with was, was Andrew Simons. Okay, so there you have it from Ricky Ponting. Not too far from yours, actually. No, no, no. Paul oh. Collingwood, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I, I agree with him 100%. And and what's and you know the interesting thing and I'm not defending myself to be so yeah. I saw myself as a goalkeeper I mean that was my that really was my job in the team was to stop yeah. the ball from going past we, we never had fielding coaches and being fortunately being a hockey player a soccer player yeah. a tennis player all those other sports that I played kind of made made me the defensive fielder that I was and and that for me was my primary job so catches and run outs were, were bonus but but my job was I had a goal of about five meters mm. and I defended that nothing was going to get past so I 100% agree with Ricky Ponting <laughs> and again no surprises why I threw myself at the stumps I didn't back <laughs> myself to hit the wicket <laughs> we got to talk about so, yeah, that but typical Australian eh? cause it like it is yeah <laughs> and has an Aussie at number one of course Ricky Ponting oh well and, and, and retirement all around and, and I agree with that I mean he like I said he was the first guy that didn't because I spent, and Herschel and myself, mm. we spent our lives in the circle, certainly making sure it was difficult to score runs past us, but we didn't have to defend the boundary and, and have a strong arm like Andrew Simons did. So, yeah, 100%. Ricky. Ricky's quite a technical guy. You know, I'm, 
I'm way less technical. So I'm, I'm more excited about guys who are diving around getting bloody elbows. <laughs> well, you <laughs> He's made, a coach, man. He's a proper coach. Yeah, you made filling at backward point so cool back in the day, Jonty. All of us wanted to fill right there at backward no, point. <laughs> Let's go to Tulani in Orlando East. Tulani, good evening. Good evening, Mr. Mshiria. Jonty Rhodes is here. Yes, yes, Mr. Rhodes. Tulani? Yes, man. Uh, I played baseball. And baseball, I was one of the best fielders here in Gauteng. Hmm. But I was not good when it comes to fielding. Most of the time I was there. Then I want to ask you, how do you influence the coach to select the best fielder to play, but he cannot give us that much runs on the pitch okay. as, a, as, a, as a fielding coach? Okay, nice one, Tulani. Jonti, just hold that thought. I want to take the second one from Mosul Bay. Kumani has called us from Mosul Bay. Good evening. Hi, hi, Thomas. How are you? Fine, thanks. And you? Uh, not so bad, man. Um, hi, Jonti. Good evening. How are you? Uh, good, man. Yourself? Okay, thank you. Uh, now, what I wanted to find out from you, um, with all of these international players campaigning in the IPL, do you perhaps think that uh, the Indians are actually gaining some sort of advantage going into big tournaments like the World Cup? Okay, nice and simple there from uh, Kumani. Thanks for that. Let's start with the folding one from Tulani in Orlando East. Jonti, as a folding coach, how big a, a say do you have when it comes to picking the team? Well, as a fielding coach with, with Mumbai, I was one of four coaches. The owners also had a, a say in it. And you would generally be given an input. I mean, I would always kind of cross my fingers and, and, and hope that the fielder that I was looking for was going to be, if there were two players and they were comparing um, or just trying to decide who would be the better one to play in the team, I was obviously hoping for the, for the better fielder. But you don't, you don't have, people have primary jobs to do. I mean, they, they batsmen or they bowlers. And the fielding obviously is, is, is the third element of the game, but it, mm. it backs up your, your primary job. So, you know, I think at, in the bottom the bottom line is, can you do the job when you're given the ball or when you're going out to bat to finish the game or start the game? Are you the best player to do the job with the bat in hand? So mm-hmm. the, the, with regards to the fielding, um, I will work with whichever player. I also get a bit of insight from, from the, the captain, from the, the, the sort of head coach, who they're considering. And if there's one or two of the players that the names come up where I'm a little bit uncertain or unhappy with their preparation, I'll certainly make sure that, that they get a bit more time in the field. But I don't have any say with regards to selection over which guy is the better fielder, so let's pick him rather. And do the Indians, the question from Kuman in Mosul Bay, do they have the upper hand going into these major tournaments, uh, considering what's happening with the IPL and how obviously they're trying to groom the, the, the young Indian cricketers? Well, I think what, what we've seen with regards to the IPL, and because for, for a long time India have been fantastic at home, but terrible away from home, and a lot of the, the international players now are, you know, David Warner's has come back out of having a ban for a year. He's come back and was a leading run scorer here. So he, he scored over 600, nearly 700 runs in only 12 innings and, and was way ahead of anybody else, and he had to leave the tournament early. So what's happening now is a lot of international players, batsmen and bowlers, are now coming to India, spending a lot of time here, and getting way more accustomed to the conditions. Indian players are not allowed by the cricket board here to go out and play in any of the other leagues around the world. So they don't get exposed to different conditions. So while the IPL is a great platform to expose young players and young talent, it's predominantly around Indian conditions. So the key with with the IPL, the players that they've earmarked for the World Cup, they certainly have had a lot of cricket. The only downside is that have they had too much cricket or if there's a couple of guys who have a few niggles and, and injuries 
um, were they rested enough because because of the prestige of of the IPL and and sort of the the, the power that they have in the team, mm. um, were the players then expected to perform? So, it, it certainly the IPL has helped them expose young talent. I, I hate to be an Indian cricket selector, <laughs> I must confess, because there's just a handful every IPL of, of young players. If you go, man, this guy must play for India, and then he gets overlooked <laughs> because you've got experienced players who've been around there for a long time. Yeah. Let's go to Sipo in Mamelodi. For those who've just joined us, we're talking to John T. Rose. The lines are open 0891104209. Sipo, good evening. Hi, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to, to find out, uh, more especially in the era of when Jonti was playing for the Proteus, the, in terms of the quota system, there were mostly two black players that were, were, were fielded. And then I just wanted to, to find out, when, when you heard a look at when uh, my kind team was ready to, to retire, there was all of a sudden a, a, a black guy that was ready to join the, the Proteus. Now, I want to find out from Jonti that uh, <coughs> does he feel uh, uh, the quota system is necessary to push these people to uh, to make uh, eligible black players to to be fielded, or does he feel that there's a uh, because uh, um, cricket is, a, is, a, is, a, is an expensive sport? There's no depth in terms of black players that can qualify to play for the project. Okay, Sipo, thanks for that, in Mamelodi. What's your take on the quota system, Jonti? Well, from you know, if you think of the team now. That is going to play in the World Cup. There's, there's players of, of color. There's players who are white, but most importantly, they are South Africans. I mean, that is that is the key for me. Um, you've got players who have done well in domestic league and given the opportunity. You've got players who've been picked because of the conditions that we could face in England. It could be dry and turning, so you'd certainly need wrist spinner options and mystery spinners. So Shamsi's in, in, in the squad. So from that perspective, I think for a, I think for a long time, I, I don't think. Cricket South Africa, and if they had to look at themselves deeply in the mirror, I don't think they were working hard enough and making sure that there was equal opportunity for people in all parts of the country. So I think from that perspective, it was a, it was a slow, um, slow acceptance of we have to make things right. We have to give people more opportunity. So that's, that's been interesting for me from a player's perspective because I played in the last all-white team. In 1999, we were still had a team that was all-white. And um, we were actually playing against the West Indies, so there was there was a you know a lot of discussion around the team at that stage. And um, Herschel Gibbs was the first non-white player then to come in and play um, against the West Indies. So what you see now, if you look at the team lineup, from uh, I think what stands out hopefully is that you've got 15 South Africans who are going to England, as opposed to well these guys are from Quota and those guys, and that's just not. You know, I'm obviously a cricket lover. I'm an ex-player. Um, I'm passionate about the game, and I'm just hoping that South Africa are going to go there and just show why we can eventually win a cricket World Cup. Because it's not about what quota we've got, what numbers we've got. We've got 15 South Africans, and they know how to play the game. Yeah, which is actually what Alan Donald said to us a couple of weeks ago when we spoke to him, that if you look at this team now, everybody's there on merit. Uh, it's not even the fact that you're a quota player, but if you look at a Cajeso Rabada or whoever, they definitely there on merit. We've got Eben that's called us from Cape Town. Thanks, Eben, for calling us. Good evening. Hello, Hello? Eben. Yes, we can hear you. Uh, yes, we can hear you. Cool, man. Yes, you can. Go ahead. He can hear you. Hi, John T. Uh, my name is Evan from Cape Town. I recall back many years ago when you were saying the good old past days, I worked for a big shoe company in Cape Town. We made all the John T. shoes for you guys, the cricket shoes, okay? 
And in morning, yeah. she was sent ourselves to Richard those days. And let me recall those days. The Olympic shoes, shoes, uh, shoes we made for you guys. We made thousands and thousands of those pairs. I think people still wear them worldwide today, maybe still. And I remember, like yesterday, it was so fantastic making shoes with your name on. We used to embroider shoes on. And just by the way, I'm also ex Maristic boy, where you come from. He's a Maristic like you. Oh, great stuff. Thank, great call. Thank you. So you're welcome. So I was talking to you. I said, love watching you playing. And we miss you. You were, you were a great star. And we used to watch you all the time. And it's such an honor talking to you again. Thank you very much. And enjoy India. Thank you. Appreciate that, Evan. Great stuff. Thank yes, John you. T. Bye now, bye. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> we, we're going to take a quick break and we'll talk more with John T. After this break, feel free to call us 891 We've got about 10 minutes left uh, with John T. Rose. That's 891 and we're still talking to John T. Rhodes. Selena has called us from Kronstadt. Good evening, Selena. Hi, how are you, Tabiso? Uh, we have, I'm fine, thanks, and you? And how are you, John T.? Selena, I'm very well, thank you, and you? I'm good. I don't have a question for you. I just want to say thank you because you were the reason why I started watching cricket. Uh, it was in your days where you used to be uh, the starting lineup with... And in my history in watching cricket in South Africa, you're the best wicketkeeper that I've seen in the field. So, yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you, uh, Selena. I think she meant folder there, but thank you, Selena. I'm surprised that nobody has asked you about the Proteus chances at the World Cup, Jonti, so I'm going to get straight into it. (laughs) The Proteus always carry the chokers tag when going to your World World Cup. What's your assessment, though, of this current team, and how far do you think they can go? Well... You know, obviously, you've got a good chance to get to the top four in that there's no knockout stage. It's, yeah. it's the top four teams now. You play everybody once. A bit like we, exactly the same as we had in 1992, where you, you got the chance to play everybody, and then the, the top four sides went through. I think that the thing in, in South Africa's favor is that then definitely not going into the World Cup as favorites. And I, and I say that, you know, with all due respect, because we certainly have a team that can win the World Cup, but England are certainly very strong at home with, with local knowledge and conditions and a powerful batting lineup if it's dry. Um, you know, there's, there's teams like Australia who know how to win World Cups. They've, been, they've dominated the World Cup scene from 1999. Mm. So from, from that point of view, New Zealand are a strong team. I think South Africa, we've had a few injury concerns. And if we're honest, we actually don't know our best playing eleven right now. So that's, that's the one thing that, that works against us. But as I said, maybe works in our favor because we're going there knowing that every game that we play, we have to scrap like crazy. So whether we're playing Australia or Afghanistan, whoever we are playing, we've got to play our best cricket. And, and that will be the key because there are not going to be any easy games. You don't have a pool now where you've got weaker players or weaker teams in your pool and the top two teams are guaranteed to go through to the next round and the next round. It's now every game you need to get the points for a win. Yeah. Uh, from that point of view, we have a side on paper, I'm just looking at here um, in front of me, that certainly can win a World Cup. I mean, we've been strong against the teams that, that are there in competing. Um, as I said, we don't know possibly our best playing eleven at this stage, mm. and if anything, that might work in our favour because hard for people to plan against us. But like 1992, no one knew what we were or who we were, <laughs> what we did in the field. I don't think any of us, as South African players, really knew what we were up to. So we were kind of learning as we were going along, and possibly you know there's enough experience in the batting lineup. Hopefully, there's enough experience. The Staines and Robardas, 
Um, Bexakwayo has been, you know, has been a standout all rounder for us. He's got the knack of taking wickets. And then you add our batting lineup. I mean, we've got some experienced players there at the top of the order. So if there's enough experience with younger players coming in, um, and we've got the variety. So in Tahir and Shamsi, we've got Rispiners. Shamsi, a bit more unknown with regards to 50 overs and, and playing in, in World Cup tournaments. But Imran Tahir, who's been one of the, the, the top-ranked white ball bowlers in world cricket for a long time, so mm. especially in T20. So he's come off some good form at the IPL, and he'll be brimming with confidence. I'm sure doing a few laps of one place <laughs> wickets. And, <laughs> yes, that's the only part of his game that hasn't slowed down, which is amazing yeah. to see that, that young man run around the field. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we've, there, there are six, the, there's six teams. It's obviously the ICC ranking. There's six teams who include Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, India, Pakistan, mm. And uh, England, but you look at the West Indies. I think they're on a bit of a resurgence. Playing some good their players, and some of their senior players are back again. And those guys are powerful, man. They're real athletes, and 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 you've seen them how destructive they are in T20. And I think for too long, opposition teams have now just just discounted them in a 50-over contest. Mm. Saying these guys are T20 specialists, and uh, they're starting to play. They just had a good series at home against England. I think when they start to believe, they will be a serious team to contend with as well. Okay, we've got Cesar that's called us from Bloemfontein. Good evening, Cesar. Evening, Mr. Mafia. How are you? We are fine, thanks. Uh, you, you have a legend. My son, when I was watching cricket with my son a couple of days back, um, some old mates, he says, this man, he stressed for that for that catch like a sour worm sweet. I'm not sure if you know that it's his young kid called Sawawin. Yes, yes, yes. It's like he doesn't have bones. It's, got, it's, it's, it's only flesh or rubber or something like that. That's a legend in this video. I have so much respect for the man. But um, I wanted to ask a question um, with regard to, to our fielding. I, I know when it comes to the World Cup, we are, we are always saying our betting, we talk, we talk, we talk order, the middle order and all that. But has he at any point been approached to be our permanent, maybe fielding uh, coach, something like that? Because I, I believe should we have um, a, a coach in his caliber as our fielding coach? Definitely, definitely, we are going somewhere. But it's like we are constantly looking at our betting, 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 and we talk about our betting being the one which is talking. How about our fielding when it comes to these tournaments? Okay, okay. Th- th- thanks for that. We're going to have to leave it there. Um, I-, I do remember, though, that you were part of the protest team at some time. Was it with Gary Keston? Um, no, 2007. So oh, 2007. Smith was captain of the side. So yeah. my, my first, uh, the, the World Cup um, was, sure, I don't think where it was, to the West Indies. So yes, in the yes, Caribbean, yes, was, in the Caribbean, was captain yes. of the team. We lost in the semi-final against Australia, who yeah. went on to win it. So, I was I worked with the team for eighteen months, and then after that, uh, I didn't do any coaching. And then the IPL in two thousand and nine called me in. Mm. So I've only done one stint with, with Cricket South Africa as as a fielding coach. And and yes, I'm, I'm not the sour worm, but I was known for a long time as the Indian rubber man for not <laughs> bouncing around the field. <laughs> Tuck and roll, very important. Yeah, Jonty, I have to talk about that defining moment in limited overs cricket. Your run out of Inzaman Ulhaq, and I know you've spoken about it so many times, but I still fail to understand how you thought getting there would be quicker than throwing the ball. Well, it wasn't going to be quicker, but it was definitely more accurate. So I had a hundred percent guarantee of hitting the stumps if I ran there with the ball. Obviously, so you know I was a, a 
not a mathematical buff at school, but I kind of worked out the odds were stacked in my favor if I didn't throw the ball. And as you heard Richie Ponting early on, mm-hmm. the, on the show correctly say, offensively, I didn't hit the stumps as often. And I just thought, when I saw Inzimum, um, he, I just knew that Imran Khan wasn't running. I could see he'd been a hockey player, soccer player. You got maybe mm-hmm. decent peripheral vision. So while I was watching the batsman kind of get halfway down the crease, I could see to the bowler's end that Imran Khan, the captain, he hadn't moved. So I knew I had time to try and get to the stumps before uh, Inzimum got back. And because it was quite a wet, there'd been a massive thunderstorm in the day, so I thought maybe it would be a little bit greasy underfoot for him to turn. And he's quite a tall guy. You know, he's, he's, he was quite a heavy youngster. Yeah. You didn't really notice that he was quite a tall kid as well. So he had a decent reach. And um, I just realized I was actually going to make myself look really stupid because he was coming <laughs> back faster than I had anticipated. And then the quickest way for me to sort of travel those last two meters was to throw myself and full length reach for the stumps as opposed to running up to the wicket. So, you know, in in, uh, in Inzimam's defense, he was marginally out. Yeah. He was just short of the line, and the umpire was Mr. Steve Bucknell from the West Indies. Yeah. And he would have been well in his right to say, well, it's too close to call, because generally in those days, the the, um, the batsman got the benefit of the doubt when it came to run out. So for me, it was more a case of we needed a breakthrough. Inzimam and Imran Khan were going at great guns. The ball was wet because the outfield had been wet, so hard for our bowlers to control the delivery. Oh, to control the delivery, and we needed a breakthrough desperately. So I wanted something where I was guaranteed to hit the wickets, and and that was me getting to the stump with ball. Now. Okay, for those for those who don't know, here's the clip. Umpire not interested. Intermon could be run out, and Jonty Rhodes has demolished the stumps, and umpire Bucknor has given him out. The flying leap with Pike. Well, it was going to require some brilliant fielding or some brilliant work in the field and a better man you could not find than Jonty Rhodes. Inzamam was hit on the pads. He was looking for the single and lumbered down the wicket. Imran was never interested. Jonty Rhodes knew there was a chance, decided not to throw other than himself. He gets there first and wipes everything out. Umpire Steve Buckner, no hesitation, and that may well be the piece of fielding that South Africa needed. There you have it. And finally, Jonty Rhodes, how much did this moment change your, your, your career or your life? Because people still refer to it as one of the most defining moments in limited overs cricket. To be fair, it didn't change. I mean, it, it totally defined my existence, and, and it, it turned it around, you know, 180 degrees. I was a, was a, a struggling middle-order batsman at the time, you know, tripping sort of contributing with 20s and 30s. And, and I think Mike Proctor had said before the World Cup started, when people asked, who was this guy, John T. Rhodes? Yeah. And Mike Proctor, had, as the South African coach, just said, I think he's going to do something special in the field. So it really did change my entire existence. And, you know, hopefully it didn't just define me, but it certainly showed that fielding could become an important part of the game. People started speaking about it, and it took a long time for people to actually start saying, okay, hold on, let's start fielding too. So for a long time, I was ranked the number one fielder in the world, but because there was no number two or number three, nobody else mm-hmm. was even interested in fielding. So it, it, I don't think it defined my career, but it certainly launched it. Great stuff, and you've definitely given us some wonderful memories, John T. Rhodes, and I'm sure you've heard from the calls that people have been forgotten what you've done and how you've made them feel, and we are really grateful that you were able to find time to speak to us all the way in India, and it's an honor once again for us to talk to you, and thank you very much for being on SAFM. Thank you, Tobi, so really, thanks everybody for listening in. Thank you, John T., and all the best going forward.